Seven Lamb Productions presents Atlas Avenue Beat Case One The Silver Casket Part One Something New City music. Taxi cabs, what sound they make. One may complain about the noise, but one may not fully understand city life. Not a city like Kenneth Heights. Old fogies drive up here every summer to take in the cool night air and the luxury of Atlas Avenue. A Broadway away from Broadway. Too bad old fogies just take up space, and they can't drive with a dam. Get out of the way, old man. I lost my glasses. Where am I? There's one now, trying to make a U-turn at a four-way stop. The city should outlaw them. Old fogies, not four-way stops. Move them to Florida, get them out of our hair. Although if they left, who would the robbers rob? The older for the young. If they took off, I may have to watch my back more often. I guess I should introduce myself. The name's Locke. James Locke. But some call me Jim. Others call me Jimmy. A few call me Jimmy Jong, but I hate that name. So don't call me Jimmy Jong. Seriously. It's dumb and makes no sense. I'm Scottish-Irish. I grew up in the 80s off the coast of Lake Wachiaptu in Southern California. A lot of people ask me why I moved from a nice area like SoCal to an Illinois city that sees sunshine twice a year. I followed a dame. First to the country, then to the city. It didn't take long for all that to go fuck up. But by that time, I was already in law enforcement. That's right, I was a cop. A flatfoot, boy in blue, Johnny Law. I thought it was my calling until the incident. But we won't delve into that just yet. Anyway, the dame and I split, and for some reason I never went back to Kelly. I made a life for myself here. After the incident, my departure from the KHPD, my split with the girl, my deep depression, my self-loathing, and a few sessions with a shrink, I took up something new. I decided to be a PI. Being your own boss is the best thing in the world. If I had to rate it on a scale from 1 to 10, it'd be a straight 10. Watching the sunset with an old-fashioned in my hand is a 9. Jessica Alba is an 8. Oreo cookies a 6. But the point is, I wouldn't do anything else. I was born to be a P.I. That's who I am. It would be nice if something exciting happened for a change, though. I've had my fill of cheating husbands and missing children. I want something new. I want to make a difference in this city. Mr. J, how you doing today? Oh, and the headache begins. Edith Dietrich was my secretary and has been ever since I started this business. 
She had the voice of Judy Holliday and the mouth of a sailor, but she was good at what she did. I'm good. How are you today, Edith? I'm fucking awful. My cat kept me up all last night. He was shitting all over the walls. I think he ate a bird or something, because there were shitty feathers everywhere. I could fucking kill him. I told him not to eat no goddamn birds. Edith, language. Mrs. Banks is supposed to arrive any minute. She's already here. She's in your office. In my office? Don't worry. I told her not to touch nothing. Told her if she messes with anything in here, I'd cut her fucking head off. Edith, you've got to stop telling people you're going to cut their heads off. But I don't like them, Mr. J. I know that. Good morning, Mrs. Banks. I don't fucking like you! Did she just say she doesn't like me? Yeah, she doesn't like many people, especially women. She have a little crush? No, she just protects me. Oh. Anyway, Mrs. Banks, I have your folder right here. There's a folder? Yes, I'm sorry. So it, so it's true? My husband? He's a, he's a... Two-timing bastard, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I, I wouldn't look at the pictures if I were you. You're only going to see two things. Nine-inch stiletto heels and a banquet of unrequited love. I don't understand. Well, men will be men. That doesn't make it any clearer. Listen, you need to get away from it all. Let's face it. We both knew how this was going to turn out. I didn't know. Why don't you take a vacation? Go somewhere sunny. Some place where the air is thick with dew and laughter. Go to Florida. Hit up the Magic Kingdom. Buy some cotton candy and ride Space Mountain. Actually, you've already been on quite a roller coaster. Roller coaster of emotions. Maybe you should skip Space Mountain. Try Splash Mountain. You get wet, and if you take a funny picture, you can wind up on a pointless BuzzFeed article. You think that will help? It's better than staying here. Locke? Mr. James Locke? And who are you? I tried to stop him, Mr. J. He's quicker than my fucking cat. I need to talk to you. It's urgent. Urgent, you say? When I heard him say this, my body tingled. I was looking for excitement, and this may be what I needed. Okay, one moment, Mr... Name's O'Reilly. Terence O'Reilly. O'Reilly? Hmm. I rushed Mrs. Banks and Edith out of my office, closed the blinds, and turned on the ceiling fan. The shadows of the blades glided over me in a slow, rhythmic motion. I swear this guy better have something good. All right, Mr. O'Reilly, what do you got for me? I got trouble. Trouble? Big trouble. Where? Right here. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to say Little China. I've never been to China. It, it was a joke. About what? It's a movie reference. I'll explain it to me later. Sure, keep going. How big is this trouble? The biggest you've ever seen? I don't know, I've seen pretty big trouble. In Little China? I see what you did there. Did that work? Not really, but I'll explain it to you later. Oh, please do. What kind of trouble are we talking about here? Theft? Ha! <laughs> This isn't about theft. Murder? Hey, now you're on the right track. Murder, you say? 
or didn't say anything. Not yet, anyway. Well, why don't you have a seat and fill me in? The tall, lanky, red-haired man took a seat across from my desk. He instantly launched into a story about love, loss, and survival. He was so emphatic. He jumped up and acted the whole storyline using different voices and flamboyant hand gestures. I was so enthralled with his storytelling, I ordered Edith to bring me some popcorn. Here's your popcorn. Thank you, Edith. Continue, Mr. O'Reilly. Well, and then this happened with the boom and the crash and the fuck all. You understand, it was crazy. He continued with his story. Revenge and attempted suicide pepper his reenactments. A car crash and a fistfight. He jumped on the couch and wrestled with a pillow. At one moment, a tear came to my eye. I felt like I was an Ewok listening to the god C-3PO. And that was it. The end. Wait a minute, wait. That was quite a story, but where's the murder? Where does that come into play? Everything I told you just now led up to the murder, which happened last Tuesday. My father was found dead in his bathtub, which was filled with gold coins. Like Scrooge McDuck? Exactly like Scrooge McDuck, except my father, Frank O'Reilly, had a bullet in his head. At first the police thought suicide, but that was quickly ruled out. I told him my father would never commit suicide. So, murder? The police then arrested my father's business partner, Desmond Grant. This happened yesterday. But I tell you, it wasn't Grant. I've known Grant my whole life. He would never betray my father. Do you have any hunches? A few. This is quite the case. I'm not usually into this line of work. Aye, but he told me you were the best. He? Your friend from the force, Paul Went. Ah, Paul Went. It had been a while since I had to talk to that loud-mouthed bastard that I called Chum. Paul was the guy who helped me during my traumatic depression stage. We worked together in the force for three years before my unexpected departure. When the she-devil left me, Paul took me out partying and chasing tail. He may be a married guy now with two kids, but he's still the same old Paul. I thought I may give him a little visit. He could help me out with this case, because I already decided... I would take this case on. I would help this great storyteller find who murdered his billionaire father. I arrived at Paul's house around 1.30 in the afternoon. Dark gray clouds hung in the sky like a wet terry cloth to a man's genitals. The air was thick with the scent of oak and red play-doh. I reached the house just as Paul was walking out. He wore a charcoal suit and a navy blue necktie. He instantly spotted me from his stoop. Jim? Jimmy Joan? Is that you? Oh, my God. Hey, Paul! How you doing, man? You coming to visit me? Now? Paul, I need to talk to you about a case. Yeah, yeah. I know what this is about. How'd you know I'd be home? It's Friday. I called the office. Ha! <laughs> Calling the office. Same old Jimmy John. Okay. You know what that means, don't you? 
I don't have to, do I? Come on. Ask me what it means. Uh, what does it mean? It means I have a fucking three-day weekend. Man, I get three-day weekends all the time. You never get three-day weekends, right? Right? When do you get three-day weekends? I usually work throughout the week. That's right, you do. You never get three-day weekends. Remember that? Remember that time you were in the force and you and I wanted a three-day weekend, but you didn't get it and I did? <laughs> that was fun. Listen, I really need to talk about the cakes ball. Now? Is now a bad time? Well, the whole family is going to Donegan's for lunch. You're welcome to join. No, I won't intrude. Nah, it's no problem. Let me just tell the wife. She's getting the kids. Lorraine! Lorraine! Yes, honey? Jimmy Jong's coming to eat with us. Who? Jimmy Jong. You know, Jimmy Jong. I don't know what you're saying. Just say Jim. Jimmy. Jim. Jim Locke. Yeah, I know. Jimmy Jong Locke. I never did understand why Paul called me Jimmy Jong. It came out of nowhere and it stuck. Even for all his annoyances, though, he was a friend. And a friend who still worked for the Kenneth Heights Police Department. Good old KHPD. Paul was a big, hairy man, but not the normal type. He wasn't rotund. He was amorphous. Layers of fat seemed to ooze out of every different area of his body. Lorraine, on the other hand, was a very pretty, petite young lady. She was so small she could fit in one of his pockets. I know that may seem like a saying, but it's quite true. Paul was big and had large pants pockets. He could carry Lorraine in one and the kids in the other. I've seen it happen. The kids were both two, twins. One boy and one girl. The drive to Donegan's allowed me to witness what people refer to as the terrible twos. God, these kids were horrible. The whole ride they were giving me gut shots in the back seat. I knew I should have called for a window seat. We entered the restaurant at 2 p.m. Paul slipped the hostess a 20 in the effort to get us a quick table. He didn't need to do it. There were plenty of open tables, but I think he did it so he could have physical contact with a hostess, who was a young 20-something brunette with a thin frame and large breasts. Paul was a sucker for women. Actually, some considered him a tad sexist. And I was using the word tad loosely. So loosely, in fact, that I should have actually used the word immensely. Paul is immensely sexist. Here's your table. Someone will be over to take your drink orders in a moment. Oh, my God. Did you see the rack on that one? Paul, your wife. Oh, she doesn't care. I do sometimes, but I try not to let it bother me. Boys will be boys. Lorraine, were you saying something? Because I wasn't listening to a goddamn thing. Hi, my name's Rebecca. What can I get you guys to drink? Yeah, I'll have the vodka tonic. Jimmy Jong here will have the same and uh, water for the rest. Okay. Jesus, check out her ass. That thing is plump. What do they feed the girls here? Honey, we have to come here more often. Oh, you with your eye candy. You know, Jim, we celebrated our anniversary at Hooters last week. Hell yeah, we did. How long has it been? Who knows? Three years. Ready to order? 
Not yet. We need another minute. All right. To look at your ass. Damn, that thing is perfect. I want her on me. I would wear her ass as a hat. Seriously, Jimmy Jong, I would wear her ass as a hat. That's a very weird thing to say, Paul. And I wouldn't say that about just anybody. I wouldn't wear Lorraine's ass as a hat. No, he wouldn't. And you want me to. It would be nice. Okay. Jimmy Jong, that waitress could fart on my head and I wouldn't care. I would literally not give one hell of a care. It's true. I would not let Lorraine fart on my head. Nope. And she's tried. Twice. I told her to get the hell out of here with that shit. And I haven't tried since. Okay. Y'all ready to order? Yes, please. After the asshat conversation, we all ordered. The food was delivered quickly, and when Paul took the last bite of his chicken sandwich, I knew it was time to bring up the case. So about this case... Did the O'Reilly fella call? No, he came to my office. And? And he told me that you guys have the wrong man. Yep. It's why I sent him to you. It's out of my control, but that Grant fella is behind bars. How's it look with evidence? Looks good enough to keep him behind bars. Do you think the guy's honest? O'Reilly? It's a hard call. Did he tell you everything? Yeah, and in a very dramatic way. He jump on your chair? Several times. The man knows how to tell a story. Honey, is this the man I saw on TV? Get out of our conversation, woman. There's one thing, Jimmy Jong. Be careful. Everything may not appear to be on the level. Like... Like the entire O'Reilly family? He wants to find the culprit behind his father's death. Possibly, but the fact that Grant is behind bars also spells bad business. How so? Everything okay? We're good. Damn, I'll never get tired of watching her walk off. I want to call her back over here just so I can send her away again. I want to bounce coins off that tush like ping. Oh, honey. You were saying? Just be careful. The family consists of a bunch of billionaires and their billion-dollar companies in the process of a merger. With Daddy O'Reilly dead, it falls on Sonny and this Grant fella. Grant being in jail can spell trouble for business. This is definitely more than meets the eye. No, there's no truck robots. Huh? Listen, I'll pull some strings, get you some information about the case, and I'll fax it over first thing after my three-day weekend. I, I don't have a fax machine. You really should get more acquainted with technology, Jimmy Jones. But I'll just hand-deliver the information like some squeaky-clean 50s paper boy. Will that work? That's perfect. Honey, you may want to talk to your son. He won't eat his carrots. Ronald, you need to eat your carrots, okay? But, Daddy, I don't like eating carrots. They taste bad and make my tummy hurt. What the... Why does your son have an English accent? We don't know. Lunch lasted longer than I wanted, but at least I got the information I needed. But I also needed some time to think before I returned to the office. 
So I did some laps around the building, and my third time around, I figured out what I would do next. Mr. J, you got some calls. I left the messages on your desk. Thank you, Edith. Anything from Mr. O'Reilly? No, Mr. J. All right. It was 4.30, time to go home, but I needed to call Terrence and set up a meeting with him and his immediate family. As I picked up the phone, I noticed the message list Edith had left. A name stuck out, Angela Diamond. Why did that name sound familiar? I pondered for a moment. Next to her name, 4.30 p.m. Hmm. Edith? I told her not to fucking show up, that you like to leave precisely at five. At the top of the staircase stood a tall blonde woman in a silk gown and high heels. A cigarette holder between her lips, the stub of a cigarette burning out the end. I hope you don't mind that I smoke. No, but why are you standing by the stairs? We have two chairs right here. I felt it better to stay out of harm's way. Your secretary told me she would cut my fucking head off. She's sharpening an axe as we speak. Edith, I thought I told you to take the axe home. I plumb forgot. Come on in, Miss Diamond. That's correct. Nice pictures. Where were these taken? Costa Rica. I used to go down there with my dad. That's his boat. Do you fish? Only when I catch something. What do you call it when you don't catch something? Sitting on a boat, bored. I see. I must inform you that I have recently taken a case that will take up most of my time for the coming weeks. So you don't want to hear my story? I'm pretty sure I already know it. You care to enlighten me? I can tell by what you're wearing that you're not from around here. Not initially. Recently moved, perhaps? The dress tells me that you have money, or maybe it's your husband's. I noticed the ring. The lipstick on your cigarette holder is in different shades, which means not only have you not cleaned it recently, you've most likely been using it non-stop. Your voice is not raspy, though, which tells me you're not a chain smoker. So something is worrying you. Your husband, perhaps? Let me guess. You believe you may be cheating. You come to me while he's working. The whole thing continues to upset you, hence the smudged mascara under your eyes. Slight, but still noticeable. Also, your favorite color is blue. Oh, you're very astute. I'm a what? So you can't help me. I'm sorry. It would be a disservice to both of us. I can refer you to another- No, I wanted you. But I understand. You are a busy man. And with that, I shall depart. Good afternoon, James. Yeah, keep fucking walking, sister. As she walked off down the stairs, I tried to place that face. I couldn't. 
She obviously knew me, but how? Frustrating. But I had other things to worry about right now. I put the list of messages in my drawer, locked up the office, walked Edith to a cab, and head home. I would call Terence O'Reilly first thing in the morning. I pondered the day's events. I wanted a change. I wanted excitement. Hopefully I would get it with this case. Some have told me to find excitement elsewhere. I guess I could move. Costa Rica's always an option. The hell was that? I turned around to see an old fogey trying to make a three-point turn in the middle of the street. She wasn't doing well. Classic. I decided to take in the cool night air and the free show by sitting on a bench nearby. I pulled out my popcorn, leftovers from the O'Reilly play, and watched the old fogey cause a traffic jam. Dumb bitch. <laughs> Mr. Locke, don't. Don't turn around. I've got a gun pointed right at your back. Who are you? I'm gonna need you to get up and put the popcorn down. That's right. Don't try any funny business with that popcorn. Just set it down. Good. Now turn to your left and head for that red building, slowly. What's in the red building? Oh, you'll see soon enough. Avenue Beat. Written and edited by Robert M. Lamb. Starring Jack Austin as Locke, Amy LeRae as Edith, Jose Caraballo as Paul, Brian Messick as Arthur, Shannon McCarthy as Lorraine, Megan Austin as Angela. Co-starring Hope Ennis, Amber Simpson, Shannon Lee, Mike Butler, Ashley Wilkins, Matthew Manning, and Robert M. Lamb. Music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to rate and review on iTunes. This has been a Seven Lamb production.